Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Bodyguard Threat Intelligence Podcast. Once again, I have my good friend Amar Lakani with me. Amar, how are things over there? Man, I'm wonderful, but uh, we're going through a heat wave here in Dallas. I, I think we were breaking record temperatures, so I'm ready, I'm ready for some cool, uh, cool weather. I don't think uh, I was saying that during winter. I was like really cold, but now I'm ready for some a little colder weather. It'll be kind of nice. Yeah, you know, that's the one of the advantages living in Singapore. It's pretty much the same all year long. So I hear all the complaints about the around the world, but here it, it feels more or less the same. But I, I heard about it. It's it's pretty hot in there. It is, it is. But Singapore is like pretty much like hot all the time. Like it's humid all the time. So I remember that, but it's still not bad weather. Indeed, indeed. And talking about hot, we have a lot of hot topics on the cybercrime ecosystem these days i've been wow i will tell you buddy that that was a wonderful transition that that, that was pro a pro transition on going to hot topics from hot weather i was thinking about this all day long how can i transition from the intro to the main topic of the day but you know you and myself we spend a lot of time in these underground forums in these telegram groups and we talked about this recently that we see more talks mm-hmm. about information stealers about people are exploring how can they use them for their purposes, what kind of advantage can they get from information stealers? And I think it's a good topic for today. And talking with someone like you who have been in the industry for quite a while, doing a lot of research over the last couple of decades, can you elaborate a little bit more what an information stealer is and how did it start when you entered the security industry back then? Well, information stealer is kind of exactly what it sounds like. It's a, a program or malware or even a technique that's kind of designed to steal personal information. Um, now, this can be things uh, from you know your name, uh, your your uh, birth date, uh, your social security number or national ID number, uh, you know, passport numbers, uh, credit credit cards, um, anything that could be kind of used to create a fake identity or uh, you know be used to in a malicious purpose to you know, get money basically, right? So that's that's what it what it is. Now, like I said, it can come in the form of a lot of different things, and ma- as malware, as uh, as other types of uh, you know specific programs, uh, phishing emails, or uh, you know just uh, social engineering tricks. You know, when I um you know when I first started off, like in uh, you know in the industry, especially around ten years ago, what we started seeing is kind of the emergence of information stealers, and they were really basic basic in their techniques. They they really were just phishing email scams, or they were just like people trying to like do really really basic social engineering attacks. It wasn't anything technical by any means. It wasn't anything uh, sophisticated. And then we started seeing like it kind of start evolving right into uh, multiple steps where it started getting packed with malware. It started, uh, you know, getting packed with uh, social engineering hunting and threat hunting uh, where, you know, uh, you know, you were getting targeted uh, from attackers. Uh, they were putting together information around, you know, your leaked accounts and uh, other information around you, uh, looking at your social media profiles and putting putting things together around you. Um, and then we started seeing, especially data breaches around like the healthcare industry, around, uh, you know, the insurance industry, other industries where you had more and more PII information being leaked. And now what you have is essentially today, you have things like service brokers, information stealer, stealing service brokers that just specialize in giving away and acquiring information around thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of individuals. That can, and that information can be used 
in a variety of different attacks from you know fake IDs to fake passports, uh, you know, to commit crimes, uh, financial fraud, insurance fraud, uh, just a lot of things that are going out there, going on right now. Yeah, so definitely a malware, so a program which had malicious intentions running on a computer. But besides gathering all the sensitive information which you just mentioned for whatever purpose the attacker has, it also is capable of gathering information about, for example, your stored browser passwords. So whenever you enter a password to your Amazon account and you tell your browser, hey, please save it for convenience reasons, these stealers are capable of Gather, gathering this information, similar with email passwords, with all your messengers. So see more and more people using like Telegram and WhatsApp clients or the computers. So they have the information in there. They use local user passwords, domain passwords, VPN passwords. So a lot of key logging, a lot of sensitive usernames, credentials, which are then being sent back to an attacker, either maybe via email or via HTTP. And the attacker pretty much has an interface available gathering all these credentials, having usually a username matching to a certain password, and then he can go from there. And especially if he has email access, it's quite easy then to reset other accounts in social media if this email address is linked to a similar social media account, for example. Exactly. I mean, you're you're not only right. Like, is a malware itself for that that's information stealers is more getting more. Um, I guess more sophisticated, looking at a lot more avenues of attack as well. You know, like you said, your browser passwords. Uh, uh, you know, passwords that are stored. You you know, I've seen malware that actually just like like basically scans through emails and looks for like keywords like passwords and usernames as well. So there's there's a lot of things that are out there. Uh, you know, that will steal information and. And uh, then you're right, you know, what attackers are using is as soon as they have one piece of information, they kind of, uh, you know, start looking at what else can that reveal about a person or about an individual. And there's so many databases, especially there's been so many data breaches. It's not that difficult for them to, you know, use some uh, automated tools to kind of put in one piece of information and kind of gather a whole profile around yourself, like almost a dossier dossier around yourself uh, on, uh, you know, exactly what your online presence is and really what your online value is as well, you know, they want to attack you definitely and also how when we look at the last couple of years i think one of the biggest changes except the sophistication is also how the malware is being distributed because as we have seen legitimate businesses moving towards subscription models we have also seen these threat actors providing these information stealer malwares as a service so for example even if you have no security skills at all you can just go to these to, to these places and purchase them. And they usually cost between 50 and $100 a month on a subscription base, or you can buy like a lifetime license and it's still probably less than $1,000. And they provide pretty scary functionality. So you can just purchase them, find your own way to distribute them, whether it's via social engineering attacks, email campaigns, or find other ways to install it on certain computers. And they will collect passwords, cookies, the, all the sensitive information which we have been talking about, and especially in a day and age where cold wallets with cryptocurrencies are being like more and more used, it's also quite interesting for the threat actors to go after them because that's usually where the money is. Yeah, no. So first of all, you're 
you know, I want to bring up a two points that you mentioned is these information brokers that where you can kind of buy, um, you know, information stealers as a service. You can really buy any type of malware as a service these days, uh, including ransomware as a service, which mean you've talked about, but uh, also information as a service as well. So that's extremely popular. And uh, one thing you didn't mention is the crypto uh, crypto wallets. Um, that's becoming extremely popular for information stealers. Uh, there's just a lot of a lot of avenues for attack because it's very valuable. Right, so there's a lot of scams, there's a lot of social engineering attacks, and there's a lot of attacks that just go after crypto wallets in a variety of different ways. Right, they'll try and get the the private keys, they'll try and uh, you know get uh, uh, you know just uh, hijack the program while it's being used. There's a lot of different things that can be happening uh, with uh, with crypto wallets, but that's I, I would say kind of a focus, at least a a, a subset focus of information stealers. There's a whole kind of world around just information stealers and uh, crypto stealers. Definitely. Also, when we look at the modern day versions of information stealers, we hear a lot about Redline, Raccoon, Azeralt, Vidar. What is, in your opinion, the biggest difference from the information stealers you have been seeing in the past and the modern day alternatives these days? Yeah, so I think the biggest difference from, you know, what we see in a Fortigar Labs is information stealers are taking more advantage of uh, taking snapshots of memory and uh, snapshots of RAM because uh, that's where things have already been decrypted. So when you are running like a secure vault or a secure wallet or even like a password manager, a lot of times, uh, usually your password is, uh, you know, decrypted or you have some sort of key or some sort of token that's stored in RAM. So what an attacker will try and do is take that snapshot, will try and decode that or replay that attack or you know, do something in that nature. So it used to be a lot of times information stealers in its most basic day used to be something like a key logger, right? Just, they used to like just watch you until you log into a, um, you know, a website and put in a username and password. And they used to kind of go through that in a log and look at that and kind of strip that out. Now today it's a little more sophisticated, right? Because a lot of times, even if you have a password, it's not necessarily going to work in certain programs or certain instances because there's still like local encryption going on or or some sort of two-factor authentication going on. So what they're going to try and do is they're going to try and steal the token. Uh, that, that was that was really interesting because attackers, back in the day, first of all, it used to be a much harder to do any type of memory forensics, like whether you were uh, you know a good guy or a bad guy. Uh, so attackers didn't really bother with it. And now I think these days, these tools just have it built in uh, through automation. Uh, a lot of times, as you said, you know, if you're using you know a broker service or like, you know, a, a, like a tool that's already paid for, uh, it's just going to gather that information. You don't really even have to do anything you just have to have someone run that tool and uh so we're seeing more and more of that i would say so definitely what you're saying is sophistication is being something which is getting which is increasing over time and definitely we reached a point where some of these mulvers are super sophisticated so they not only are capable of stealing all the information which we have been talking about but also they make sure they have certain techniques when it comes to encrypting the communication with their own command control servers so the traffic is not being readable by without any further analysis but also some anti-reversing techniques or security evasion techniques so they they are aware that people are looking for these stealers because they're becoming more and more popular so they try to stay under the radar with additional techniques exactly Something which is also which also caught my eye because they became quite popular is a lot of people found certain hashes or found certain samples and created some hashes, but there's also more and more customized information stealer malware out there. And I think just in the last six months, we have come across certain kind of samples 
which was used for counterintelligence purposes. So as we all know, during or while the tensions during the Ukraine and Russia is, is going on, there's also more customized information stealing malware out there, not just for gathering sensitive information to make money, but also for counterintelligence purposes, because it's very important to know what is your opponent going to do. So it, it really, we really reached a stage where we came from basic information stealer to quite sophisticated malware and sometimes even hard to say, is it still an information stealer only, or does it have so many more capabilities like command and control server techniques when it comes to upload files, download files and execute certain kind of commands? Yeah, in my, my opinion, like I said, I don't see, you know, that many standalone information stealers. They usually are always a component of some other tool. Now, there are tools that we still classify as information stealers because that is their primary purpose, either because that's what, you know, that's what, they're, you know, that's kind of their main goal of their tool or historically, you know, that group or that, uh, you know, uh, malware family has been like, you know, classified as a information stealer and it's added more capabilities. So, um, so you know, you're, you're right. There's, you know, malware does do a lot of things and normally these days we're not just you know we're not just finding what well, you know one single purposeful malware uh even though it's you know it may have a single purpose that it does really really well it usually has other capabilities and we're also finding malware to be more modular these days than it ever has been so you know they have like you know uh attackers can add more capabilities to the malware after the fact that's always a possibility as well um and then the last thing you brought up is kind of this uh, we, we we normally talk about like the the cyber crime area when we're talking about malware, but you kind of brought up the, the state-sponsored attacks, like other other countries maybe taking advantage or, uh, you know, uh, of information stealing. And I and I think that's kind of been going on for a long time in information war, warfare. I think that it probably makes sense for uh, countries to do that and to find intelligence. But I think, you know, that is definitely being used around like the world, and like especially especially these days where we have, you know, uh, wars going on around the world. That this, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, uh, either a state sponsor, uh, like a, a state-based government, or someone affiliated closely with that state government is doing information stealers to just try and gather intelligence, maybe around, uh, you, you know, um, people related to the military, soldiers, uh, political leaders, um, that seems to make sense. And, you know, we have seen from time to time uh, malware that is associated with state-sponsored attacks, and a lot of that does have uh, information stealing component to that. Definitely. And I think all of this combined together, it, it really shows that it has such a big impact from a cyber threat landscape. And it means for us on the defensive side, there are certain things which we have to be aware about, which we have to do to protect us against these kind of attacks. And I think uh, one topic which has been coming up more and more recently is the external attack surface management. What is, in your opinion, the, the critical things about the external attack surface management and why is it so important for us on the defensive side? Well, so you know, first of all, external. Let's let's define external threat management, right? Or uh, because it can mean a lot of different things, right? There's a technical component to that when we're talking about like you know threat intelligence and threat hunting. Uh, we're also talking about a kind of a business reputation component of it as well, like you know, or attackers talking about your organization, like on the dark net, on uh, you know, on other places as well. I think both of them are really important. It used to be like um, kind of like a um, kind of a specialized thing that only like few organizations used to do. Like, hey, if you're a large financial organization, maybe you're gonna going to like get into that type of cybersecurity. I think the tools are getting much easier to manage where like pretty much most businesses 
probably need to do that just to understand what their threat vectors are. And you really need to understand like, hey, you know, is information leaking about your organization on these dark network forums or, you know, private telegram groups or wherever the attackers are hanging out. And if they are talking about you, what are they talking about? Like, I mean, if they're, if they're leaking VPN usernames and passwords, well, that's, that's a big deal. If they're just, you know, if they're talking about maybe they don't like your product, well, maybe you can handle that in a different way. But there's all certain risks that are, that, you know, you can get exposed to and you're just really missing out on a big blind spot if you're not taking advantage of that. Definitely. I think you and I, we always talk about it. Offensive is the best, is the best defensive. So when it comes to understanding how the attackers operate, they usually start with reconnaissance at the very beginning of every single attack. And I think it's important that we on a defensive side do the similar thing. We do reconnaissance about what kind of information is out there from us. Where is it most likely that someone will hit us or there may be leaked usernames and passwords from our organizations out there for sale or are there certain vulnerabilities that can be, can be exploited. So we need to treat it from the same angle. We need to be able to understand what is most likely for an attacker to take advantage of us. And I think that's where external attack surface management comes in really handy because on one hand, it gives a pretty good overview about our digital asset risks, about our brand related risks, about underground threats, which you have been talking on, on, the, on these underground forums. And then it makes life much easier for our internal people when it comes to, for example, prioritizing what kind of remediation we need to take, what kind of actions towards these threats, but also gives a pretty good broad brand view in general about how are we exposed to all of these threats. Yeah, no, I, th I think uh, I think uh, you make a good point here. We're exactly on the same page. A lot of times we're not, but I, I think we are. And, you know, a lot of people, I, I see the opposite way. Like, I mean, I do hear a lot of people thinking like, hey, maybe that's a little too much. I don't really care. You know, I really don't, you know, that really doesn't affect my organization. And if it doesn't, I think that's a great thing. If it doesn't affect your organization, that's awesome. It's one less thing to worry about. But a lot of people have no idea if it affects their organization or not, unless they, you know, uh, do some monitoring and research into it. And it, even if it's too much for uh, a, like a small business or medium-sized business to invest in like these tools and threat hunting tools, because I, I know these tools can be expensive. I know they have like, uh, you know, yearly uh, uh, licensing costs. It's still okay to like probably do like, you know, hire, hire consulting agencies or, you know, uh, or do like, you know, spot checks a couple of times a year just to see what kind of, you know, threat is out there. And like I said, if it's not a concern, that's great. But if, if it is a concern and it can affect your business, it can affect your revenue, then I think it's something that probably needs to be looked at a little more closely but once again you never know until you start actually looking at it deeply yeah it's it's about visibility if we cannot see it it's really hard to know what we need to protect against and i think that's uh, the whole topic in general information stealer is something which we need to be aware of and yeah i want to say thank you for joining this podcast once again i think we were able to elaborate quite a bit about what's going on and any last words from your side Omar? Uh, no, just, uh, you know, uh, always, always good talking to you. Always good talking about uh, computer threats. And, uh, you know, I will try and stay cool. I guess you try and stay neutral in your wonderful uh, Singapore weather. And uh, we will speak next time, buddy. Yes, thanks so much, everyone, for joining in once again. This is Amar Lakani and Jonas from the 40 Guard Labs Threat Intelligence Podcast.